Welcome to the Park Road Podcast for August 2nd, 2015. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jacks Dean, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon this morning is entitled, Satisfying the Crowd. This is not the right time of year for this story. We just went through this a couple of months ago, didn't we? Do we have to relive it again so soon? This is best kept to a once a year story. This past week, as I was telling Thursday's Vacation Bible School story to our children, our word for the day was share. And the story that the curriculum gave me to teach this word was the resurrection account from Luke's gospel. I was to tell them the story of the women finding the tomb empty and running to share with Peter and the others the good news. So to get into the story, the lesson writer of the curriculum gave me the prompt to ask the children to share any good news that they had, much like what I did with our children this morning. I added this dramatic element for effect with the Vacation Bible School class. Anytime a child shared any good news, the rest of the class would respond by calling the name of the child that had shared followed by this enthusiastic statement. That is good news. For example, this was on Thursday. So I said, Last night, my family took me out to dinner to celebrate my birthday. Amy, that is good news. They really got into it. One said, I'm going to Carowinds tomorrow, to which we all enthusiastically responded, James, that is good news. And you can imagine how it went from there. I can ride my bike. Caroline, that is good news. I got to go to my papa's house. Ben, that is good news. I'm going to the beach. Lila, that is good news. It went on and on and on. They loved it. Hands were flying in the air. They couldn't wait to share their good news. Some even shared twice. And then there were some that clearly began to just make stuff up that sounded like good news so that they could hear their name called with a resounding, uplifting response from the crowd. That's good news. Because really, don't we all just want to hear some good news? So the time finally came when I said that I had some really good news to share. And they became super attentive. I was so impressed. And then I realized that to really get to the super good news, you know, uppercase good news, that the presence of Jesus was not dead and lost, but instead is always with us as close as our own heartbeat. 
It was then that I realized that to get to the good news, I had to tell them some bad news. The lesson writer didn't warn me about this. Because you see, in the Jesus story, you can't get to good news until you go through bad news. You can't get to life until you go through death. So I set those vacation Bible school children up for a huge letdown. I told them, I have some really good news to tell you, but first I have to tell you some really sad news Jesus died. And it was the Child Development Center's four- and five-year-old class that had the biggest reaction. I mean an audible gasp. I said, I've got some really great news to tell you, but first I have to tell you some bad news. Jesus died. I mean, they gasped as if they had never heard this before. You try telling a bunch of four- and five-year-olds that Jesus died and see how much fun you're going to have at VBS. For a moment, it was as if they were shocked and saddened by this news. I had to quickly get to the good news of an empty tomb and women running around like chickens with their heads cut off. They liked that part sharing the good news so that we didn't get too stuck in the bad news. Which is where it feels like we are today. Stuck in a lot of bad news. From the text to the headlines, bad news. When all we really want is some good news. First, Pilate offers to release one prisoner. The crowd chooses Barabbas. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them. Then they flog Jesus and mock him and beat him and strip him and spit on him and make a crown of thorns and then force him to carry his only... his own cross with only a brief respite until they lead him to the place of a skull for him to be crucified where they continued to ridicule and taunt him into death. Mark has been building up to this for his whole gospel story. The king of the Jews is taken down because he stood for a kind of power that the religious and political leaders could not understand nor tolerate. We're coming to the end of Mark's telling of the gospel story, which is good news, by the way. A quick review, and we'll remember back to just a few short months ago to the beginning and all the stories of healing and making whole of those who were broken or deranged. You would think that that would have satisfied the crowd. Healing the broken should satisfy the crowd. But in the end, their memories were just too short. That phrase from today's text stood out to me, satisfy the crowd. It puts the blame for all of this bad news squarely on the shoulders of the crowd. 
Some in that crowd had cheered him into Jerusalem just days before, and now a larger, meaner, more vindictive crowd cheered him on to death, all because he stood for a self-giving love that would not let him go. His power was an inability to his power was his ability to give himself away. That's the real good news of the gospel story. We all love the sappy ending where the hero lives happily ever after, and so we get pretty fixated on resurrection good news where the tomb is empty, people are running around like chickens with their head cut off, and Jesus lives. That is good news. But the real good news is about sacrificial, self-giving love. And the best news would be for us to learn how to take up our own crosses and follow Jesus. Sounds cliche and simple, but it is not. Taking up our own crosses will mean that we will die for one another, that we will die for the great causes of the world, maybe not a martyr's literal death, but dying to self to give to others. Some Christians love to claim that Christ died for me, which only means something if we choose to live a cross-shaped life. Some wear the cross as jewelry or bumper sticker theology. But I think the call of discipleship would mean wearing the cross on our backs as we stumble through the streets looking for ways to give ourselves away. Which brings me back to that phrase that caught my ear. Satisfy the crowd. I want to turn the story just a little bit in our view. And instead of having Pilate be the authority figure that responds to the crowd, let us listen from the perspective of a cruciform Jesus. The crowd still clamors today. They are chanting and ranting and trying desperately to get the attention of anyone that can ease their pain and calm their fears. Some crowds are chanting about clean water. I wish we could satisfy that crowd. Some crowds are chanting about affordable housing. I wish we could satisfy that crowd. Some crowds are chanting about voting rights. I wish we could satisfy that crowd. Some crowds are chanting about equality for people of color and women. I wish we could satisfy that crowd. Some crowds are chanting about police violence. I wish we could satisfy that crowd. Some crowds are chanting, Black Lives Matter. I wish we could satisfy that crowd. Some crowds are chanting for quality education for all, no matter where you live. 
what your parents do for a living. I wish we could satisfy that crowd. Some crowds are chanting for more research to cure the diseases that are killing us. I wish we could satisfy that crowd. Some crowds are chanting about caring for creation. I wish we could satisfy that crowd. Some crowds are too broken and oppressed to even rant anymore, and their silence should be deafening to our ears. I wish we could satisfy that crowd that feels they no longer have a voice. And then there's some crowds that are more rowdy than others. Some crowds are so angry that their chanting turns violent. They loot and burn and pillage and we watch it on the news and shake our heads and sometimes get angry at them in return and we feel powerless to satisfy any of the crowds. I wish we could learn to listen to these crowds and sift through some of their words and actions to get all the way to the root of their frustration or shame or brokenness. What causes the crowds to cry out in desperate need, whether it be about clean water or gun violence? And which crowd might you choose to listen to in order that you might give your life for them? You can't be a solution to all the crowds. You can't fix all the crowds. You can't even listen to all the crowds. But you can decide to give your life away for some of them. Or at least one of them. I want to tell you some great story of folks who are satisfying the crowds to end chronic homelessness. I know some of those stories. Right here in Charlotte, Dale Mullenix with Urban Ministry is living and teaching and breathing that story. I want to tell you some great story of folks that are satisfying the crowds by speaking out about race reconciliation. Russ is intimately involved in some of those conversations. I could tell you some stories. I want to tell you some story of a great someone who's saving the world in big or small ways. I know some of those stories. I know some of those people. But for the last two weeks, I've really only heard the chanting of the crowds of those who would die alone were it not for the church. And in particular, this week, this church. Scores of people gave themselves away in chunks of a few hours here and there to sit bedside with one from among us who was dying. No family in town and not much family even out of town. Only her church family with a diagnosis that was only about three weeks old of pancreatic cancer, Mary quickly deteriorated. She moved to the hospice house in Huntersville, and we kept a morning, afternoon, and early evening watch. Some talked to her. Some sat quietly. Some read to her. Some sang to her. Some rubbed her arm. 
Some prayed with her. I hummed her favorite hymn in the garden over and over and over again, even as I studied for this sermon. It was an odd day. It was my 49th birthday as I kept watch this past Wednesday. I was reading about the horrific death of Jesus on a cross as I watched the horrific death of Mary lying in a bed, dying of cancer. He was stripped. She was covered in a prayer shawl. His was violent. Hers was peaceful thanks to pain medication that kept her unaware of pain even while I believe she was completely aware of the presence of the many who gave themselves away keeping watch. I've heard this Fred Craddock story hundreds of times. I guess any overused story is worth telling again. Fred Craddock, one of America's best preachers, tells the story about his father's death. He says, my mother took us to church and Sunday school. My father didn't go. He complained about Sunday dinner being late when she came home from church. Sometimes the preacher would call and my father would say, I know what that church wants. Church doesn't care about me. Church wants another name, another pledge, right? Isn't that the name of the game? Another name, another pledge. That's what he always said. Sometimes, Craddock says, we'd have a revival. The pastor would bring the evangelist and say to the evangelist, there's one, now sick him, get him. And my father would say the same thing every time. My mother in the kitchen, always nervous in fear of flaring tempers and somebody being hurt. And always my father said, that church doesn't care about me. The church wants another name and another pledge. And God knows that's true. We do want another name and we do want another pledge. <laughs> Craddock says, I guess I heard it a thousand times. But one time my dad didn't say it. He was in the veterans' hospital, and he was down to 73 pounds. They'd taken out his throat, and he said, it's too late. They put in a metal tube, and x-rays burned him to pieces. I flew in to see him. He couldn't speak. He couldn't eat. I looked around the room and potted plants and cut flowers on all the windowsills, a stack of cards 20 inches deep beside his bed, and even that tray where they put his food, if you can eat, on that was a flower and all the flowers beside the bed, every card, every blossom were from persons or groups from the church. He saw me read a card he could not speak. So he took a Kleenex box and wrote on the side of it a line from Shakespeare. If he had not written this line, Credic said, I would not tell you this story. But this is what he wrote. In this harsh world, Draw your breath in pain to tell my story. Craddock said, what is your story, Daddy? And he wrote, I was wrong. I want to be a church 
that is constantly and consistently proving people wrong by the ways we satisfy the crowds. Will your way of satisfying the crowd be sitting bedside? Or will it be marching with dissenters? Or will it be digging wells? Will your way of satisfying the ranting, cheering crowd be working for justice, promoting peace, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, putting roofs over the heads of people that are homeless? How will you satisfy the crowds? These are crucifixion questions, friends. Self-giving, cross-shaped love is the answer. So how will you, how will we satisfy the noisy crowds? You better start listening intently to them. You better start being creative with your responses to them. You better start living courageously and generously in all the ways that you die for one another. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening today. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Grace and peace to you.